The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Why did he use that word? God goes to extreme measures to bring the loss to himself. The greatest gift you will ever give this world is your intimacy with God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all three inside of me. I've got the power right now. I think what Jesus really wants is people to go. I want to be the answer to Jesus' prayer request. Welcome to the Fuel for the Harvest podcast. When this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, then shall the end come. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Fuel for the Harvest. This is Charlie. And this is Nathan, and we're so happy to have you guys joining us here today. Uh, Today we're going to be continuing in our series, Things the Bible Never Said, and we have a special guest joining us, Mrs. Hope Rodabaugh, Rodabaugh, (laughs) joining us all the way from the Carolinas. It's so good to have you here, Hope. Thanks, guys. It's so good to be with you. Um, It's great to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you too. Uh, we're doing this over Zoom. That's why she can see us. <laughs> I <laughs> um, wish I could see everybody who's who's going to be listening to the call. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Hope. Well, I am a 55-year-old married woman to Barkley, who is a Division One basketball coach. He is um, uh, he coaches at Charleston Southern. I have three grown children. My oldest is married and we have a granddaughter um, from Anna and Dawn, my oldest daughter. Her name is Ruth and she's a year and a half old. And um, I live in Charleston, do a lot of ministry with Forge, do a lot of ministry with young married couples and disciple young girls. So living here in the Carolinas, in COVID, just looking for all the ways that God's opening doors to to connect with people, and there there's lots of opportunities. Amen. It's been a crazy time, the whole COVID thing, that's for sure. All right. Uh, so, like I said, today we're going to be continuing in our series, Things the Bible Never Said, and today's lie is... Yeah, so we're going to be talking about this statement, or the idea behind it, of Jesus takes away all of our problems. I think... Sometimes we say that or we just subliminally think it or we convey that idea, whether believers or unbelievers alike, of, man, if I follow Jesus, all my problems are immediately solved. Life is easier. Being a Christian is an easier life. Uh, Jesus will just take away all my problems. Uh, So, Hope, what do you think about that? Tell us, tell us your perspective and let's, let's have a conversation on that. Okay, that, I, I love the way you said that. Charlie, that once I meet Jesus, he will take away all my problems. Because in reality, when we begin to look at our own lives and we look at the lives of those around us, when we, when we think back, whether you know Jesus or you don't know Jesus, when you consider that moment, you, you ask yourself a question, why am I seeking Jesus? Why is this person seeking Jesus? Why did I seek Jesus? And somewhere we would have to listen to everybody's story to know that answer. But somewhere in the mix of all of our stories, there is this, there is this SOS flag flying saying deep inside us, I have a problem there there's a deficit here and I need a solution yeah and I, I believe that's a part of all of our stories 
And if we're not careful, we can enter into that relationship with Jesus, believing that he is the remedy. Mm. When in reality, he says, it's the relationship. Mm. It's the relationship that actually ends up being the remedy. Right. And we have to be very careful in our pursuit. God actually pursues us. But when we reach back, that remedy is a peace, but it's the relationship that matters most. Okay. Yeah. So ultimately the issue that we find happening time and time and time again is people say, Hey, I want to follow Jesus because somehow he's going to solve all of my issues. Somehow like he's going to come in, he's going to deal with my all of the physical problems going on in my life. He's going to deal with all of my relational problems. He's going to deal with my broken marriage. He's going to deal with, he's going to make my life easy. He's going to make my life safe and secure. He's going to do all of this stuff and yes. they're, they're, they'll make my life comfortable. He'll bring what I want. Right. Uh, and there's elements of all of this that are true, but this idea that somehow Jesus is going to bust into our lives and just fix it every little detail it's just not really yes. true. <laughs> so I think one of the things that we could do to, to kind of launch ourselves is let's define what Jesus does promise to take care of. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's uh, interesting what you just mentioned because there there is some level of validity of saying, I want to follow Jesus because I know that he offers these things. There is some validity to that. Hey, yes. I, in the midst of my chaos, Jesus brought me peace and he brought me joy. My marriage wouldn't be what it is if it wasn't for Jesus. Yes. There is a truth to that. There is a reality to that. So there is a fine line of, of okay, it almost is, it makes me wonder what is that line? Uh, how far is too far to say, well, well, following Jesus means all your problems are now fixed. And I think maybe we can talk about this, but maybe the key word is easy. Mm. Um, maybe it's the key thing that following him all of a sudden makes my problems go away easily. He just made it all easy for me. Um, what do you think about that, Hope? I totally agree with you, Charlie. And as you were talking, I, I couldn't help think about the reality of this, the principle we're talking about in John 4. Mm. Because Jesus met up with a woman who was in deep trouble yeah. at the well in Samaria. And he actually walked way out of his way going back to Judea to meet her. And it was purposeful. And we know in that story that she had five husbands. And as a result, and the man she was living with at the time was not her husband. And Jesus knew this about her, but he did not fail to connect with her at the well that day. And if you're the woman and, and you're, you're talking to Jesus and you're wondering who he is and what he's up to in the bottom of her, her story, she's likely to be saying, Oh my gosh, I wish he could erase all the emotional pain from all these broken relationships. Mm. I'd give anything if I had my dignity back. Um, you know, I, I would give anything if, if my re reputation could be restored. But in that moment when Jesus meets her, he did not fix those problems. 
he he did not he did not give her back her reputation he did not erase the pain of those of those failed marriages but what he did give her which is what i think we're talking about here and he said this in the conversation he said the water i have for you is living water and you'll never thirst again if you drink of this water. So I think what Jesus says to us in our own well situations is the past is the past that can't be redone. But what I can give you is I can give you uh, life. I can give you strength. I can give you forgiveness. I can forgive you. I can give you love. I can give you the ability to endure. And he provides, he says in John, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Mm. And so what we see Jesus doing is connecting to us in our grief, in our losses, in our pain, in our sorrows, in our problems. And he's saying, I'm going to give you what you need to get through it. Mm. And not only get through it, but on the other side, you'll be able to pour into others a strength that you didn't know you had. And that's exactly what happened to the woman at the well. She that's tapped into this living water and she ran back to her village and she shared the hope of Jesus with her village. I think that's a key point that word through. He's not necessarily going to remove the difficulties. He will give you strength through them. And I think uh, the promise that we see throughout scripture is not that I remove you from them, but I will be with you in them. Time and time again, God is saying, do not be afraid. I am with you. Do not be afraid. I will be with you. Jesus, I will be with you to the very end of the age. Always, that's his promise. I am with you in the midst of it so that you can be content, so that you can uh, uh, endure, so that you can have a promised love, joy, and peace in the midst of this. Uh, I think that is huge. And that key idea is, that reality is that he's given us life, life abundantly, a life that we never knew. We thought we were living before. Man, with Jesus, we're surely living now. It's like moving from uh, black and white to color TV or maybe no TV to color TV or 3D. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> it's like man, we thought we had life before and now we have it. And I think some of those pieces are, are key in this conversation of, yeah, in this simple fallen broken world, we're going to face trials. We're going to face troubles. Things are not going to be easy. And just because we follow him doesn't mean that all of a sudden we're on cloud nine and, and we're above all of that. Right. Another principle I want to bring up here, and it's actually, I think, my very favorite part of, of, of knowing Jesus is his ability to redeem. Mm -hmm. And it's the only worldview out there because I've studied most of them and it's the only one that offers hope and promise because there is a resurrection Jesus in our story mm. as, as Christians. He's alive. He's alive and mm. his word is alive and his promise, the promise of the cross of Christ is redemption. Mm. And so when you think about the problems we face and you think about that woman at the well, five husbands, Oh my gosh, the the brokenheartedness of that he can't erase our choices but he can redeem our choices mm -hmm. and that word honestly 
when we get a hold of God's and Jesus's ability to redeem the things that have been lost, it, it puts so much fuel into our purpose because it makes every trial and every suffering worth it. Mm. And he says, actually, it's if when you deal with the suffering of, of today and you walk through that with me, it prevents the devastation of tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. What, so what, redemption is huge in the Christian life. Right. And it's amazing because exactly what you're saying, like Jesus is, he's taking these broken situations. He can't just delete them from our lives, but he can bring them to good. He can, he can yes. through forgiveness, through, through restoration, through, uh, I don't know, just taking a horrible, awful situation and bringing it to good. He can, it, it, it morphs our pasts into something good and wonderful and glorious when, when without Jesus, they would be literally stuck in death. Absolutely. Yep. It's the but, cross crown paradigm. Mm-hmm. Christian life is the cross crown paradigm. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, Hope, how would you define redeem or redemption? Why, why don't you unpack that a little bit when you say this word redeem? I think it's worth pausing on and just talking about what is the fullness of that word and, and what does that mean when it enters a, a person's life, redemption? I'm so glad you asked me that question, Charlie, because I have meditated on that for hours because it's a big thread through my own life. Mm. God has redeemed a lot of brokenness. And when I think about the work of Jesus and redemption, he, he's giving me back something that I lost, something that, that I couldn't reclaim. And he's, he's, he's giving it back to me at a price he paid for it. And I, I've thought, and I even asked him one time, because I think about that word so much, it's, it's deeply meaningful to me. And I asked him, I said, Jesus, in the language I can understand in my own mind, because I'm sitting here reading scripture, and you're talking a lot about redemption through your life, and especially through the end of your life. How could you help me understand that? And so here's what came to my mind when I was having this conversation with God. It would be like if you and I had a favorite mountain bike and you spent all your money, all of your time, energy, polishing up your bike because you love to mountain bike and you put new brakes on it, new handlebars, new wheels, and you had this mountain bike that you absolutely adored. So you go away for the weekend and your parents, let's imagine you're a college student and your parents are having a garage sale. And somehow that mountain bike is sitting around the house. And when people come to the house for the garage sale, someone buys that bike and it goes missing. And it's the love of your life. It's what you do. It's your hobbies. You spend time, you spend so much time on that mountain bike. So you come back and you say, mom, dad, where's my bike? I want to go on a ride. And they look around and say, oh my gosh, it's, it must've gotten sold in the sale. I have no idea where your bike is. Mm. And so once the news of that hits your heart and you're like, my bike's been sold. 
it's somewhere in the community. Mm. Your family, mom, dad, whoever was that cell, they say to you, I'm going to go recover that bike. And so they go out in the community and they knock on door after door after door after door until finally, after scathing the community, they find the bike that somebody bought and they actually pay more for it to get it back in your possession. Hmm. And that's, they bring a, it home. that's a beautiful picture right there. Uh, and here's redemption. Here's redemption. The bike that was bought back and that was lost is now way more valuable to you than it ever was before. Yeah, that's, that's huge. I, I think when we realize our desperation and our need and we encounter Jesus and he changes us radically and brings us this abundant life we're talking about in the midst of the trials we face, man, we value that so much. And I think it also causes us to value him so much that we taste and see that he's good. And he has brought this. I think it really ends up pointing us back to him and saying, wow, we, we're just so grateful. How could we do anything but continue to follow him and give him everything we have? Right. Because as we follow Jesus, we know from scripture, I mean, you don't even have to get far beyond the start of the New Testament, let alone into the book of Acts and into the other epistles, like what becomes very, very clear is that following Jesus is an extraordinarily difficult process. And, and as we've said many times before on this podcast, you're going to encounter trials and you're going to encounter suffering. Uh, if you're curious about, it says that first Timothy, second Timothy, first Timothy, I think first Timothy, right? I don't know what you're talking about. That you're going to encounter trials. James one. Yeah, it's James. <laughs> no, I can't remember. Sorry. That's my bad. Unless you're talking about in Timothy, anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Yes, that one. So you're going to get encounter persecution. Thank you. Uh, in first Peter, it talks all about that as well. Yep. There, you're like, you're going to encounter trials. You're going to encounter persecution. You're going to encounter suffering. Jesus does not claim that he's going to take away all of those difficulties but at the same time, there are things that he is bringing to redemption. And there are things that get way better with him than without him, including, yes. including our lives, which is kind of what we've been talking about, this idea that he's taking our broken, desperately dead lives and bringing us back to life. He's giving yes. us water that doesn't dry up. He's get, like that, that idea, mm -hmm. that redemptive idea. That is what Jesus does. But he he's does. not going to save us out of the difficulty. Like no. it will continue to be difficult. <laughs> it might right. be more difficult depending on your context for many, for many around the world following Jesus. It, it, it makes their lives increasingly difficult because they're facing uh, persecution, death threats, poisoning that, I mean, that all that kind of stuff. Yes. I, uh, Absolutely. And I, I think that's the glory gold of the gospel is not only does he save us, but he redeems us. Mm. Not only does he save us, and it's the only worldview that offers the hope of turning my crosses into crowns. Mm. As a matter of fact, he uses the difficulty. He uses the struggle 
he uses the suffering. It's a necessary tool of crown formation. And there's no worldview out there that I'm aware of that offers hope in the things we suffer. Yeah. Yeah. The other in world Christianity, mostly, other worldviews are typically about ceasing suffering, ending suffering, getting out of suffering. Absolutely. Not Pro embracing getting suffering. prosperity, prospering. Yeah. Rather yes. than embracing and Jesus suffering. says, I don't, I, yeah. Yes, embrace the suffering because it will help you in tomorrow's devastation. <laughs> and and we ultimately we have the privilege as we embrace suffering to share in the fellowship of Jesus' sufferings of of Jesus Himself, and in doing so, we we encounter and and experience His resurrection life as well. But it's like what you're saying. That's that scripture. the The resurrection life doesn't come without the crucifixion, without the suffering. So that's you're not going to experience the crown without the cross. It's, 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 that's what comes to mind when I think about that. Absolutely. And, you know, Scripture tells us clearly that we shouldn't be surprised by the trials that we face. Um, in 1 Peter 4.12, um, Scripture says, Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal. Yep that has come to you, <laughs> has come on you, <laughs> as if something strange is happening to you. <laughs> yeah. uh, scripture's clear. Yeah. We're going to face trials, and we're going to face many of them. Yeah. Yes. So ultimately, that's the message here, right? The message is that Jesus is not going to take away all your difficulties and all your problems. They're not going to just poof and be done. There are things that Jesus is up to and is doing, but as we follow Jesus, we can expect difficulty, we can expect trial, and we can praise the Lord for it because it's making us more into the image of the people that, where it's making us more into the image of Jesus. It's making us more of the people that God desires for us to be. Yes, and I, I would encourage you as you're listening, don't allow this lie to to mar your, your, your perspective of God's character. I think the enemy has used this lie in too many lives to say, well, I guess God wasn't that good. After all, he didn't, he didn't make everything better. He didn't give me all this stuff. Uh, so can we really trust him? And man, wouldn't, wouldn't the enemy like us to start with that lie to say, man, God's going to fix all my problems. He's going to make everything better and easy. And all of a sudden when it's not, then how do we think of God at that point? And so for us to know the truth, the truth will set us free and to have a clear picture of God and the truth that he's actually set forth um, will really set our, our lives on the, the right path, I think. Absolutely. Well, Hope, it's been wonderful having you join us here on the podcast. Thank you so much for your time. If people want to get into contact with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? People can get in contact with me with email. Um, it's radaboz at bellsouth.net. That's my last name. Um, R-A-D is in dog. E is in egg. B is in boy. A-U-G-H-S as in Sam. Radaboz at bellsouth.net. I would welcome emails. Awesome. Wonderful. And can you remind us what area you live in? So if anybody's passing by or they want to connect with you in your ministry, where are you at? 
I'm in Charleston, South Carolina, which is on the east coast of the United States, not too far <laughs> awesome. from the Pacific Ocean, in the low country of South Carolina. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Hope, and thank you all for listening to this episode of Fuel for the Harvest. God bless you.